as you all know, because you read the scripture, the reason why we read scripture together, the reason why we don't just put it in the bulletin, is because reading scripture is powerful. And I think when we do it every Sunday, we begin to like forget its power. But just because we forget its power doesn't mean it's still not powerful. And I think the same thing about our songs as well. A lot of times, I mean, I've been going to church for 35 years. And so the songs just kind of come and go because I've been here so much. But when you think about the songs and what they're saying, they will, you know, come back to you. Um, that song, Christ is Enough, you know, is that something that you can say when you don't have money to pay the bills? Is that something you can say when the doctor says cancer? Is that something you can say when your child says, no, Christianity is not for me, and your way that you raised me was not for me either, and I'm moving out and I'm renouncing my name and my faith? Um, can you say Christ is enough, you know? Because I find myself saying Christ is enough when the table is full and the family's around it and it's Christmas Eve, you know? Um, I kind of, it just kind of comes out, right? But is Christ enough when you're laying in bed on a Tuesday night and just everything just does not seem to be working out? So thank you, Drew and team, for leading us in music. Um, it is an awesome way to remember God's truth, and it's way more interesting than sermons. Um, so like I said, we came to the book of Romans in the fall. It was what we came to after the book of Acts. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying it's time to preach through the book of Romans with our church. As I've said many times before, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to do it because of passages like this. And I wanted to skip over chapter 9. I wanted to skip over the latter part of chapter 1. Right? Some of these things that are very, very difficult truths, but they're here, and we have to talk about them. Right? And so here we are again with a very, very difficult passage. All right? So if you would take your bulletins, we're going to look at this again. Whenever in Scripture you see the word so, or you see the word there, or you see the word therefore, you always have to kind of jump back to see what's in front of that, okay? And so this passage in our bulletin starts off with the word so, all right? And we all know that when your mother talks to you and she says something, she, goes, she says so, she's referring back to what she just told you or she's referring back to something. And Paul's doing the same thing. And Paul's referring back to a very, 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 very difficult passage of Scripture right before it, where he talks about some Old Testament characters. In this passage of Scripture, there are, there are actually four Old Testament characters that are kind of referred to. There's Jacob and Esau, and there's Moses and Pharaoh. These are all folks from the Old Testament. If you're an individual who only reads the New Testament, you're missing out, right? You're missing out, right? That's like eating an Oreo without the filling. Not good. Not good. I know the New Testament's like the filling of the Oreos, and so the better analogy, it's like eating the filling only and not the cookies, right? Because the dry cookies is like the Old Testament. It just, it just is. And so these, you'll never hear an analogy like that again. Um, and so 
Uh, the Old Testament is a place that you should really start opening your Bibles to and check it out. One real easy one is Proverbs. Proverbs has a chapter for each day, full of wisdom. 31 chapters in Proverbs is a great way to start. Another way to ease into the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is an artist. He's a poet. You know, writes songs about it. It's a beautiful place to start. Another way to ease into the, uh, the book uh, of the Old Testament is just reading Genesis and, um, and then start, start there and then get a hunger for the Old Testament and keep going. So he's referring to a couple different folks here, all right? And what he's saying is this. The Bible says that Jacob was chosen and Esau was not. And it wasn't based upon what they did or did not do. The Bible says that before they were born, Jacob was loved and Esau was hated. I do not like that passage of scripture. It is completely unfair. Because Jacob and Esau weren't even born yet. They were twins. And God said to Rebekah the mother, the younger will rule over the older. The older will serve the younger. See, Esau was born first. And uh, if you've ever seen any pictures of Jesse when he was born, Esau looked like Jesse. Okay, kind of maybe looked like Owen or like Toby. I like it. He came out with fiery red hair all over his body. That was Esau. He was a hairy man. You're looking good over there, Jeff. <laughs> but Jacob didn't. Jacob came out but was a twin and wasn't as hairy. And what's really crazy is you know that God didn't choose Jacob based upon his works. The Bible calls Jacob a deceiver. Isn't that crazy? So that's what Paul's talking about here. And now he brings in Pharaoh and Moses, and he says this, So, it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it, nor can we work for it. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you, and to spread my fame throughout the earth. Now, if you know the, the story of Pharaoh, Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world at that time. The Israelites had gone through a famine where there was no food in their country and they had gone south to Egypt. For Egypt was there was land of plenty and there was you know, food to be had and God sent them down there um, so that they could have some food. But the Israelites got stuck there for 400 years. And while they were there, they had become slaves to the Egyptian people. And there was a guy named Pharaoh who was just ruthless ruthless and he did not care about human life and he really really devalued the Israelites to the point where they were just dirt and they did they they built those pyramids those those pyramids all that industrial stuff in Egypt those were built by hands of the Israelites and what's so difficult about this is Paul is saying that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, meaning God played a role in making Pharaoh the monster that he was. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I don't like it at all. Because Pharaoh killed hundreds and hundreds of Egyptian people. 
I'm not, I'm Israelite people, chosen people. It's just, ugh, not good. And then right after that it says, See, God chooses to show mercy to some, and He chooses to harden the hearts of others. So they refuse to listen. Right? Hey boys, how old are you? 10? 11? Come on, come over here. What grade are you in? Fifth? Awesome. You can sit right here. This is your Sunday school class. Welcome. There you go. Thanks, guys. Man, I feel like my father. I'm old. I feel old right now, guys. I feel old. All right. Where was we? Okay. So Paul begins to reference the Old Testament. And last night, you guys had a Nintendo party, correct? What games did you guys play? A lot of games. What's one of your favorite games? Injustice 2. And what happens in Injustice 2? Like, what kind? Like, what are you doing? Right, you have to fight a battle, correct? Yes. Now, what about that game you were playing with pennies and nickels and dimes? Were you gambling? Were you gambling in the pastor's basement? Phew, you made me a little nervous there. What was that called? Dungeons and Dragons and Bears, oh my. Is that what the, how does that go? No, that's tired and lying. Okay, um, and what, in Dungeons and Dragons, do you guys have a battle? Eh, sort of. So you're stuck in a tower and you have to get out. Do you let down your long hair like Rapunzel? No. That would not be. That's Disney, not Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. Man, this is cool. Because, like, when I was a kid, I, like, that takes a lot of skill and a lot of, like, brain. Like, you guys, like, it's, like, strategy and you have to think through it, correct? When I was a kid, when I had those kind of coins on the table, we'd do two things that didn't take any skill. Either bloody knuckles, no brain power there, or odds or evens. That is real gambling, so don't do it. The Old Testament, I'm talking about the Old Testament right now, is full of Dungeons and Dragons. And it is full of battles. And this Pharaoh battle was one of the biggest. Because Pharaoh didn't go up against another country. Why? Because there wasn't another country that Pharaoh could go up against. Because Pharaoh was the dominant country. Egypt was dominant. Nobody could go after Egypt. But who went after Egypt? God. Pharaoh picked a fight with God. Who do you think won, Colton? Not Pharaoh. You're right. God. And it was a pretty epic fight. But you want to know the sick and twisted thing of the story? God placed it in Pharaoh's heart that Pharaoh would pick a fight with God. That is not a cool author. (laughs) Do you see what just happened there? The author goes, I want to look cool, so I'm going to pick this dude over here to become a monster to pick a fight with me so I can squash him. So everyone can see how awesome I am. (laughs) 
And then Paul uses another analogy. Does anybody work with clay? Anybody? Oh, hey, Grace. Welcome. How are you? Clay work. Grace works with clay. Nice. How about you, Soph? Yeah, you do? Do you guys have like one of those little wheels once in a while that you do it on? No, you just like just actually make stuff into clay? Oh, sweet. So you make like, have you ever like made one of those sleeping dragons? Yes. I swear every kid that works with clay makes a sleeping dragon. I did. Did you? Yeah, snake ones. And they have you do the little things with the pointies on its back? Yeah. What would happen, Grace, if all of a sudden you were making a sleeping dragon and it opened its, or how about this? You were making one of your snakes, you know, where you roll it and then you twist it. Um, if the snake all of a sudden said, Grace, I want to be an elephant. Come on now, make me an elephant. What would, you would probably freak out, one, and run into the next room. Ah, oh, the clay's talking to me. That would be crazy, right, Vinny? But it would be freaky. And that's what Paul's saying right here. Paul says this. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes a jar out of clay, doesn't the potter have a right to use the same lump of clay to make a jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? Folks, you have no idea how hard of a truth that right there is. Because what Paul is referring to there is a jar for honor and a jar for dishonor. Because a decorative jar gets honor, and everyone comes into the house and says, ooh, nice vase. Or if you're more intellectual, nice vase. But has anyone come into your house, Vinny, and said, sweet trash can. That is an awesome trash can. So nice, so good. Maybe if you have one of those electric compacting ones that goes underneath the counter, those are pretty sweet. But if it's just a rubber-made plastic one in the garage that has those like white rice-looking things in the bottom that wiggle. You know what I'm talking about? You've all seen them. You can picture them right now. And when you go to the dump and you dump it out and then it goes down on the ground and on your shoes in the back of your car and they're wiggling in the back trunk and you're like, uh, yeah. you're with me. You're with me. Has anyone come in and said, that's a sweet trash can? One time? Well, that's your middle school friend. So Paul is talking about honor and dishonor. And essentially what he's saying is, Jacob was made for honor and Esau for dishonor. Moses was made for honor, who came and led the Israelites out of Egypt. Pharaoh was made for dishonor. I still don't like this. I don't like this at all. Because it leads me to say then, why in the world 
am I stressing about a Sunday morning service with all these moving parts? Why in the world am I getting made fun of by talking about Jesus out on the street? Why in the world then am I worried about all this to do and not do? If God just chooses people and they are already future chosen or not chosen, then why does Loon Mountain Ministry even exist? That's the logical question. So Paul refers to a couple other Old Testament things here. This actually where the potter is referred, the clay maker, is from the Old Testament. Namely the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 16 says this. You turn things upside down. As if the potter were thought to be like the clay. So it's upside down. Now the potter has become the clay, and the clay has become the potter. Weird. Shall what is formed say to the one who is forming it, You didn't make me. Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing. Is that ridiculous? It's ridiculous. But we as humans do it every day. I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it. These two two mistakes that we make. One, the mistake is, I don't have a maker. I'm an individual. I'm autonomous. I don't have a maker. Now, you might not articulate it like that, but your fruit of your actions show that you don't have, you know, right? And then how many of us have said to God, you don't know nothing. You know nothing. I don't know if any of you have been brave enough to say it to God, but I know you've said it to your dad. And I know you've said it to your mom. And I know you've said it to a law enforcement officer. And I know you said it to your teacher. And your grandmother. And your neighbor. You don't know me. You know nothing. And the other reference is Isaiah 45, 9. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. Meaning, woe to the piece of clay that wrestles or resists the maker. And this translation says, a pot among earthen pots, meaning dirt, dust of the earth. Does the clay say to him who formed it, what are you making? Or, your work has no handles. Meaning, I don't like what you made me. He happened to make me with handles. I don't know about you. <laughs> These guys didn't get it. It's awesome, right? I love Vinny. You, you know, this right here, this is called a handle. Um, have you ever not liked who you are? Have you ever not liked the hand you've been dealt? I have. Yeah, many times. And we sound just as ridiculous as a piece of clay saying to a potter, you don't know anything. You didn't make me correctly. So what is this all about? What am I telling you right now? 
Here's what I'm telling you. What Paul is trying to drive home to you, and what Paul is trying to drive home to me, is that God is for himself. God is all about his glory and displaying his power. And as a human, I say, what an egotistical, narcissistic jerk. That's what I say as a human. Because it says right here that he hardened Pharaoh's heart so he could display his power. He says that he is about his glory. And what's really difficult for my human mind to wrap around is that how is that good for me? I said it last week, I said it the week before, and I'm going to keep saying it. God is a father who is claiming to know best and is claiming that he loves us and that he knows what's best for us. All the while, while everything else seems completely not like it. I don't know about you, but I've had a dad who said the same thing. And I have said the same thing. How in the world is cleaning my room better for me? Maybe I can see that it's my room. But how in the world is cleaning my parents' bathroom better for me? Right? Thought about that one? I wasn't even allowed to use that. When they remodeled the house and we went from one bathroom to two, and my parents used one and my sisters used the other and I used the deck, I'm like, how is me cleaning this bathroom, my sister's bathroom, better for me? I don't even use it. She's in here 25 hours a day. And don't we say that to our God, to our maker? And what happens is, see, we put human characteristics, we put human boundaries on God. Because when a human is about their glory, and when a human is about their power, it is an ugly and awful thing. And Proverbs says that's our problem. Our problem is that we think God is like us. And Paul gets into this a little bit later in the bottom of Romans chapter 9. He says this, All that I've explained to you, for you to accept that there's a God who's in control and there's a God about His power and about His fame and it's about His glory, to believe in that requires faith. And to believe in that requires you to surrender your rights. And to believe in that means for you to die to self. That you are no longer king. You are no longer the ruler of your own destiny. You are no longer the center of your universe. It's all about God. And that's true salvation. And that's true faith. But very difficult to come to. I like to color it with a real Christian world. That I'm doing this ministry thing. Right? And that I know the old hymns. And I know scripture memory. And I'm doing this ministry thing. 
But a lot of times I still make it about me and about the center of me and my world and my feelings. And it don't take long, folks, to get those hurt, squished by someone that's frustrated with me or someone that I have let down or some, you know, like this. Because when humans display their power and their glory, it never goes well. See, I grew up in this little town, right? A little bit bigger than this, so there's a little bit more mischief to get into in my town than this one, but not much. And we had this place called the Park and Ride. Oh, yeah. Right? And at the Park and Ride, everyone would bring their vehicle, right? It didn't have to be a good one. Some of them were good and some of them weren't. Some of them were like souped up pickup trucks. Some of them were muscle cars. And some people even had Toyota Camrys that they got from their grandmother. It didn't matter. Everyone was sitting on the hood of whatever they brought. Because it was freedom. And it was power. And the kids, you know, that had powerful cars would take, right, the catalytic converter and the muffler off. And they would put dual exhaust and glass packs at the back. Right? And then you'd hear that engine roar, you know, I'm like <laughs> Those guys would just sit there all afternoon twelve every five minutes, right? And I remember <laughs> had the Toyota camera to feel better about it. like that was a good ten dollars, oh and then he would take his little Toyota there's this thing called a brake stand. You know that? For you that don't know, you put the brake and the gas at the same time. Exactly. You just you let your wheels peel out, right? Some people call it a one-wheel peel. One people call it a one-tire fryer. That's where I was from. Do Right? And you sit there. They'd all sit around with the, the smoke coming off the wheels, like, yeah! And the guy would have came, wow, dude, that was $40. Yeah. Good work, right? I'll it, right? So this one kid was displaying his power, right? And he had this big sticker across the back of his Toyota that said Tonka Toy. And he was sitting there doing his big honking brakes, and he let off the brake. And he shot how in I don't know in front of the um, right in front of the park and ride was like three lanes of traffic right because it was like right down to the farm again, a huge baseball field old hippic field right there's a McDonald's and there's a diner he went across the four lanes of traffic right over across the four lanes of traffic and ran right into a huge brick pillar that's the entrance to the ballpark that says hippic field right above it. Right in huge thing, right? Well, now he's in trouble. So what he slams it in reverse and drives home. So the police show up, and everyone's doing what? Huh? They, they, yeah, they're 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 sticking up for their buddy, and by doing like, I don't know, I don't know, some, some kid was here, and we don't know, he's from a different town. Well, you know, he did a break stand trying to be cool. What's the police do? They walk over to the brick pillar, and what's on the brick pillar? The license plate. The front license plate come up, and it stayed on the brick pillar, and the cop was like this. Oh, guess we know where we're going. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, 
have cell phones, so no one could text anybody or call anybody. We're like, that kid, oh no, right? But that's what we humans look like when we display our power and our glory. We look like morons. And that's what we think God is. We place that on God. And here's the thing. The book of Hebrews says this. When you come to God, you must get on your knees and admit that He is what He is. Every bit of Him. And you must confess what you are. Every part of you. And then, the book of Hebrews says, you must believe that He rewards those who never stop looking for Him. And by faith, we carry on. And by faith, we say, yes, sir. Yes, dad. Okay, dad. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But yes, dad. Okay, dad. I'm putting faith and trust in you that you got my best at heart. You got my best interest. And you got my best interest by being about yourself. Because God is perfect. And what's the most unselfish thing a perfect thing could do? Be about itself. And none of us understand that because you've never seen perfection. I know your wife is close, but not quite there. We're going to take communion together as a church. Communion, right, with union should be happening all the time. You should do with union as you drive to church, as you drive home. You should do with union at your dinner table. You should do with union while you're here. You should do with union while you ski. You should do with union while you play games. But why we do communion the way we do communion right here is that we're intentionally pausing to remember what Christ did for you and what he did for me. And we are to be thankful for that. Because the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So today we're going to take the cup and remember Christ's blood that was shed. And we're going to take the bread and we're going to remember His body that was broken. And it will be somber, and it should be somber. But then afterwards we're going to give big old hugs and big old high fives because He ain't in the ground. He rose again. He sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And He is praying for you and for me. And I'm pumped about that. Because after reading this, God seems a bit scary. And I'm hoping that His Son puts in a few good words for you and for me. And it says He's doing that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. Drew, you guys have a song? I'm going to pray right now. And then you are going to move over to the tables. The three tables, the ends have grape juice, the middle has wine. Okay? So just know that. And I would like for you to serve one another. I would like for you to serve someone you might not even know. And if you need help remembering what to say, all you need to do is be like, hey, this is for you. That's all you got to say. This is for you. We practice an open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of the church. The scripture says that you are to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that something that you've done? Is that something that you said, yeah, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to give my life over to this God. And I don't want to sit up here and make God out to be some fluffy bunny. 
There are some beautiful, loving things about God. He's a big mush ball, but he's still a father. And my dad's a big mush ball, but he's still a dad. And I've crossed his dad's side a few times. And that's what I'm very thankful for. Maybe you didn't have an earthly father like that. But I hope you can get into scripture. And I hope you can get into this community so you can learn about your heavenly father. Because he is a powerful and mighty lover. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to pray. He's going to play some songs. You're going to go back there and share communion with each other. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you for Paul for writing it. Lord, you know that this is not easy stuff for us to go through, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, would we receive the word, and would God, the word, change our hearts. By the power of your Holy Spirit, soften our hearts, break in the stuff that's difficult and hard, and how we resist against authority. May we surrender and come to you and lay our lives down. May we put faith and trust in you that you're a God who knows best. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood shed for us. Shed for the whole world, you said. Whole world. God, help us not to become lazy in following you. Help us not to become distracted in following you. Help us not to use weird and hard scriptures like this as a justification to not follow you. Even when it's difficult and the teachings are hard, Lord, help us to dig in and put more faith and more hope and more trust in who you are. I thank you, God, for the freedom that we have here to gather like this and the Sunday school teachers that are sharing God's love with young ones and the people that put food on tables and the people that put up chairs and coffee and take things down and sweep floors. We are very fortunate to have this community, Lord. I thank you for little feats that walk through services. It's beautiful. Love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.